Thank you for listening to the Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Star Strength and Conditioning. We believe that by creating positive habits in sleep, mindset, nutrition, relationships, movement, mobility, and training, you have the ability to become better than yesterday. Hello, everyone. Paul here from Stark Strength and Conditioning, Stark CrossFit, and uh, I'm very, very fortunate to be sitting across the table from DJ, uh, with DJ from White Lion Athletics today, and uh, been wanting to have him on the show for, for a while now, and we finally just planned a, a day and a time, and, and it's happening, which is great. So uh, thanks for being here, DJ. Thank you very much for asking me. It's nice to, it's nice to finally meet up. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I'll, I'll give you a, a bit of time now. Let tell everyone about who you are and uh, and kind of maybe a bit about where you come from, and we'll we'll start to elaborate on some of that stuff afterwards. Sure. Well, uh, I guess the like the like the main reason why I'm here is because we met through like a family, and then uh, I'm the co-owner of White Line Athletics in Winnipeg. And yeah, born and raised in Winnipeg, and lived here for. I've always been here, but I've lived in different places too. So. Yeah, that's pretty much the short version of me. I have a tendency to go on like long monologues, so I'll just... <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's that's why you're here, yeah. to talk. Um, so so you, you're running White Lion Athletics. You said you have a partner, right? Mm-hmm. So um, how did you how did you get into that? Because I know, I know your sister from when I worked back at the wellness, she was doing kickboxing and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and she hit punched and kicked pretty hard was she like that when she was younger too <laughs> yeah you know what I have uh, I have a scar on my head I got uh, <laughs> she kicked me in the head with stilettos one time when she was young I was laying on an air mattress and whose air mattress it was we still are not sure of it but I wouldn't get off the air mattress and so she like almost roundhouse kicked me in the head with stilettos on she was young like wearing our cousin's clothes for dress up. Okay. <laughs> and so busted, like, I can still see I'm laying on this great couch. I'm like, man, am I sweating? And she split my head open. So then we went to the hospital and the police were there just by some coincidence. So they took, they gave my sister ice cream. They took, they took me <laughs> nice. away to ask me if my mother abused me. Okay. <laughs> and then so my sisters are eating ice cream, not even yeah. a culprit. And I'm sitting there bleeding with three stitches in my head. And then mom's looking like a criminal. Yeah. So, so yeah, she can. I'm not surprised she can kick well. Yeah, your your mom Gail's like, what? Like, I just brought him here. I didn't do this. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Okay. And then, did you forgive her for that, or like? Oh yeah, yeah don't okay. worry. Like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, every time I get a chance to give it to her, still, I still give it to her. That's good. Yeah, good. Keep her on her toes. So, um, before before like White Lion and everything, I know that you were you were going through law school. Mm-hmm. And so what's what happened there? Why the change in uh, in direction? I was I was pretty much a professional student from like nineteen ninety six until two thousand and three. So I did a, a Bachelor of Arts with political science and philosophy. Then I did a Master of Arts with a thesis and then I went to law school. And it's like Sometimes you get caught up in an old dream and you, you're like, I'm, you're so, you have so much conviction to something that you made a decision for, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really have any meaning for you anymore. So, I mean, it's, it's actually exactly like what Seth Godin talks about in The Dip. And he talks about things like, you know when you have to get out of something, and it comes a time when, like, you got to think, like, is this really where I want to be? Is this really where I want to go? And so 
you can stay or you can go, but it's it's a smart thing to make a move either way. So I just decided, like, you know what? I don't have this passion for what I what I've been doing. Like, I really enjoyed all of the research and the writing that I did in my master's degree for my thesis. I loved it, and then I enjoyed I enjoyed law school, the research and the writing, but I just didn't enjoy the other part of the actual practice. Like, I didn't enjoy applying the law on like in in case studies, for example, which is very strange. Like, well, why would you want to do that? So yeah, I just felt like, you know what? This is not what I want to do. So I just decided to um, go another route. And then, you know, it's what the, exactly they say is true. You go to school and you have a bunch of debt and you realize that, well, what am I going to do now? So um, I said, okay, what, what should I do now? A person with like a lot of debt and like, I'm not really, like you can be employable, but I wanted to be employable and pay this debt down. Yeah, definitely. So I went to work in the oil field as a roughneck for five years, which was probably like the greatest experience of my life. And you know what? If you talk to to guys in the patch, like, oh, you got to get out as soon as you can. But I mean, for me, it it taught me something about work ethic and how to deliver and how to work. Like, there's a difference between like fake work and actual real work, like with a sense of urgency in a team environment where you must deliver because your crew depends on you. And so, I mean, like, I made, a, I learned a lot of good things in the oil field. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's a large part of that which gave me the work ethic that I have now. You don't need to be involved in something for your whole life for it to have a massive impact on you. And, like, the men, and I didn't really meet many women out there in terms of the workforce, but, I mean, like, the men that I met out there, they showed me how to work. They showed me how to task manage and how to get the job done at all costs with preserving your health and safety and everything else. So yeah, I'm very grateful for that experience. And I mean, maybe that's what I needed because now I, I know how to, to, to work, in my Put opinion. Put that work ethic to work. Yeah, you got it, yeah, that's right. So did you have any experience going into it or it's just like Zero. on the job training or how did that work? How did, how did becoming like a, I don't, I don't know what the, the term is for it, but working in the oil patch, yeah. how did that come up? The entry level job is a roughneck. And that seems like something like a nickname. Something it's now I guess called a floor hand, but it's you're a roughneck, and the roughneck is the entry level position that takes care of all of the basic requirements on the rig in terms of manual labor. It's actually it's very skilled labor because once you learn how to work your tools safely and properly and efficiently, I mean it's it's a skill, and it's an art. I mean like if you if you watch really skilled rig hands work on the drilling floor, they like to call it the iron ballet because there's so much iron flying around and no one's getting clipped, no one's getting hurt, and it's a high-speed environment where you are working to basically keep the reputation of your company up that you can produce wells, I mean, get them drilled in the safest, fastest way possible with the highest level of efficiency and be safe and move on to the next one. So, I mean, my friend was working in the oil field, said, hey, listen, how do I get set up here? So he told me, take your H2S course, take your first aid, and then start applying. <laughs> so you start applying, and uh, yeah, I worked for uh, a company that was since bought out called Big Sky Drilling, and I, w and I went out to Saskatchewan and worked for Big Sky. And then um, a lot of their rigs were s still Big Sky and another company called Enzyme Drilling. So then I worked for Big Sky and Enzyme, and then we were working eight hours a day. And for, I mean, I was certifi certifiably useless. I had no 
technical skills whatsoever, like how to run wrenches, like what's this? Like, I, like I'm surprised even the guys kept me on. So I got, I got fired from the first rig that I was on, and so I was all depressed, like, oh, what a failure. So I called the office of driving back, and they're like, well, no, just because you're fired from a rig doesn't matter. It, you know, it, it doesn't always work out with crews. I said, okay, well, can I, can I please, like, get another, like, position? I said, yeah, no problem. So I went home, and then it's like, well, you've been fired? Like, no, and then I went out to another rig, and then things were working out, and then it didn't work out there because of, like, my, my poor attitude. And, I mean, for me, it's like, at that time, I was very insecure because of my lack of technical ability. I was, like, physically strong, but not technically like able so I found that like you know comments toward my technical ability I'd take them personally and I would you know flare up because I'd be like you know have a big ego so I got fired again and I was like dude you know what you have a problem you need to like understand your place and it doesn't matter what you've done before this it doesn't matter you've been to school none of that matters it matters you're only as good as your last connection on the floor so if you're not running your tongs well you're not pulling slips you're not swinging hammers you're not good for anything. So it doesn't matter what you've done. It matters what you're doing right now and how, how well you're gonna support your crew. So you need to shut up and you need to learn to work. And so after that time, I really started to go inside myself more and like, you know, it's not like maybe when you're coaching somebody, oh no, so you know, you give somebody like a positive coaching cue in line with what you think is this person. No, it's how they feel like talking to you on that day and that's okay, but you need to deal with that because you need to be the one that adapts because you're the one trying to fit in. You're the one trying to keep your job. And then the better you get, the less you get criticized. And then you learn where it's like you learn to take a joke. And you, you learn to understand like people's comments toward you are about your skill and not you personally. So check the ego and don't bring it out because that's when you start getting flare-ups and, you know, having temper tantrums and, you know, saying things, right? So it was a good lesson to learn like, if somebody points something out to you in a way that is not acceptable for you, your reaction is your responsibility. And you need to, like a wise man once said nothing. Yeah. There you go. You can, you can always control your responses to, to any situation, it's right? It's tough though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> so, we, we say it now, but then, you know, we get someone else that says something to us and we feel like we're flaring up, like, oh, how good's your practice? Yeah. So it's, you know, when you're called upon, can you do it? So. So that's cool. That's a that's a pretty amazing learning experience to like just think if you would have left that first rig that you got fired from, if you yeah. wouldn't have gone back and tried again or whatever. Like yeah. so you, you were doing this for five years, you said, right? Yeah. Five so years. That's pretty that's pretty incredible. And that's you know, that takes a lot to be able to realize that and tell yourself like uh, you know, hey, here's what I gotta do or what I gotta fix and, yeah. and stuff like that. So I think you would love it. I mean I think that like a lot of the people that I know, they would love it because of just like the team environment, the adrenaline and the actual like physical demands of the job where it's just like, yeah, I mean, I wish people could come and enter that and just safely and try it out because it's a, once you get good at it, and I was saying I'm, I was like better than anyone, but I think I was, I was like, I was able and I was having a really great time. And then it turned out that my transition from the field to the training was it's the company that we were drilling for they, they lost their license to drill. So they couldn't drill any new holes and they could only re-enter existing wells and try to optimize them. And then we, then that rig got shut down for a period Then they moved out to um, like a very remote part of BC, but I was in Winnipeg and an opportunity to be a trainer came up. 
And it's so strange, like, well, my rig wasn't working for an indefinite period of time. And then I thought, like... What kind of trainer? Like, like a personal training. Personal like, training. Personal okay. training. All right. Yeah. Okay. So the rig wasn't really going anywhere. You were just sort of on hold. And yeah. then how, how did this opportunity to become a trainer pop up for you? Well, the opportunity came up mostly because of timing. Like, I had achieved all of the, like, financial goals that I set out for myself and it just turned out that I was in this gym and this guy was looking for people to help him with his clients and I'd always like I remember when I was asking early on like in my high school days asking about you know about being a trainer or a gym and it was kind of like haha yeah and so I wasn't I wasn't brave and I wasn't really like sure enough of myself to say no I want to I want to do this because I spent my I spent my life training like I just I love like training and sports and lifting weights and I enjoyed it like even as a young person that's what I did so it came, opportunity came up and then so how long ago was this that was five years ago okay five yeah. years ago and so like I called my friend and he runs a business in Edmonton and I said dude what do you think I should do he goes well he goes well what do you think I said you know what I'm gonna go he says this is really strange too he said because when I was in university, I bartended, but I bartended like a full-on student, meaning that I studied everything that I could learn about the history of whiskey, the history of alcohol, the history of gin. Like I, you come to the bar and order a drink, I'll be able to tell you the history of every product in there and tell you all the tales and stories about them, like especially things with rum. Like I just, I studied it and immersed myself in it. So I said, I'm going to Tennessee. I'm going to go see Jack Daniels. I'm going to go see all the bourbon distilleries and I want to see, because I, I met one of the guys that started Maker's Mark when I was in Australia. And um, the way that he talked about being passionate about something in his life, I was like so taken by the passion this man said, I'm going down there to see how these whiskey makers live, like the heritage, right? And so I went down there for 10 days and I went to these distilleries and listened to these people talk about what's passionate for them and like what involves, like what it's like to, to live your heritage. And so I went there and I was like, these people are like, this is interesting. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to give this training a try. And I said, because this is what I've, I've always felt like I wanted to be part of, like physical development for other people, helping them develop strength and capacity. I'm going to do it, man. So, I mean, when, and I can still remember, I'm walking down the legislature grounds. I said, who is going to want to train with me? I have no clients. I have no money. I have a mortgage. Let's do it. And so I told my buddy, he's like, well, okay. So then my first client I had, I was making $40 a week for seven weeks because I only had one client. And I was like, and everything that I read, and I still tell people to this day about like business development, they said, if you only have one, and they refer to them as a customer, but like, if you only have one client, you treat them like gold because that person is your business. And then the next person you do that to, the next person you do that to. So I took that philosophy with me when I came into White Lion where it's like I love and respect and appreciate customer number one or customer number thousand one all the same and you treat them with so much value because I mean if I didn't do that I probably wouldn't be here today with you right and so that philosophy kind of rings true it's like it doesn't matter what you want you need to value what you have and really like value them as much as possible because they're the ones that are supporting your journey and so that's what happened when I was walking through those trees there. I was like, well, let's do it. 
That's cool. So then how did you, how did you build from there? Like, so first seven weeks you had one client and then, so second person, was that like a referral or was that someone that saw you, you know, training this client? How'd that, how'd that work? How did the snowball effect happen? The, I was, I was working for free with this other trainer who was doing this weight loss challenge and he brought these people on for free. So I trained these, these people and for no charge for uh, 12 weeks. We trained, uh, I think, two or three times a week at that time. And so... And this was to get more experience and work with people and stuff like that. Yeah, this was yeah. pretty much it. So then I was working on my personal uh, training certification. I got that, got my insurance, and training these people. And then at the end of it, a lot of them stuck around because they were happy with what I was able to offer in terms of service and results and everything. And I mean... Yeah, so that's how it happened. And then from there, I started training out of my, my now business partner's gym. And that's where I was training before. That's how I met Stuart. I was training out of his gym. And I would have never found his gym if it wasn't for this other gentleman that introduced me to this training. So Isn't it cool how, like, those puzzle pieces just, like, fit together? <laughs> it's like you look back and it's like... It's almost like it was planned, but at the time you're looking, you're looking like, oh, yeah. well, what the hell am I going to do now? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't scary, but it was exhilarating. That's for sure. And one of the things that I took away from it is like what I know, I was talking to my sister about this too, because she's an artist and she's asking about approaching people. And I said, you have to like embrace the rush of rejection. Like there is a certain exhilarating moment. Like, you know, if you would, you're you're wanting you're gonna you're gonna ask for you know them to you know to sign on with you or not really sign on but you're gonna I guess for me it was putting myself out there. No. And so there was like this thing where it's like I got butterflies in my stomach and that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That still happens for me when I'm like sitting down doing a no sweat intro with somebody and just like listening to where they're at, where they're coming from, what they've done, what worked, yeah. what didn't work, what, you know, what they consistently fail at. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then saying like, Hey, here's how we can help you. Or here are some of my recommendations or whatever. Or if it's like not even something that I think we can help with, it's yeah. like, you know, maybe go see this person, but it's, yeah, it is, uh, it is a bit nerve wracking and yeah, you're still going to get turned down, you know, yeah. here and there for sure. And it's just something you got to be okay with. That's right. Yeah, that is right. Oh, that's cool. So, and then, like, next step, is it White Lion? Like, how did that, how did that become a thing? Well. And first of all, the name. Where did the name come from? Oh, the name. So, <clears throat> I was coming out of the gym one night, and it was, like, a Friday night. And Stuart said, hey, DJ, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, sure, man. Like, I, I'm standing by the door, like, my hand's on the little push button, the door. I said, yeah, what's up, man? And he's like, uh. Do you want to buy some foam rollers for me? I'm like, selling them out of his jacket or the trunk <laughs> of his car sort of thing. <laughs> oh, hey, dude. Bless his heart. I'm telling you, he, I wouldn't be surprised, right? So I said, I was going to ask you the same thing. Because I was, I was starting a boot camp for like, um, hey, let's do outdoors fitness, right? Like that's what trainers do, I thought. So that, well, I was looking into all these things like, well, I want to start my own line of products. And so I was looking and doing the research and this and that. And then Stuart asked me, and I was like, hey, I was thinking about doing the same thing. And then I kind of left it at that. And I was driving home like, man, you know, I didn't act on it sooner. And I should. I said, wait a minute. Why don't you collaborate with this guy? I ask him. And I was like, you know, what? that lesson that I learned before about don't let your ego get in the way. I'm like, maybe you guys need each other. 
So I said, yes. Russia rejection. Send him a text message. I can say, send. I'm interested. Let's have a talk. Perfect. No problem. Like, this is great. So I'm excited and this and, you know. And then White Line Athletics came after, like, probably, just, like, I'd say four to six hours of talking. Yeah. I sh my notepad, River City Athletics, Chronic Fitness, uh, Fit to Go. Uh, like, and then I said to Surya, I said, like, I was at home and I was sitting on the counter. I said, what about, um, said, what about Pink Unicorn Fitness? And he sends me a question mark. And then I was like, like, are you high right now? <laughs> and then I'm sitting there. It's like, that name is available. Let's <laughs> jump on it now. It probably wouldn't be available now, but I mean, it was then. It's like, okay. And then I'm looking at the tiles uh, on the counter there. And I said, well, I sent a message. Well, White Line Athletics. Does I like it. Where'd that come from? I said, I just thought of it, man. And then he's like, let's see. And I still, you know what? It's funny because I still have the handwritten, because I called Stuart from the... Um, the corporation's office here in Manitoba, and I wrote it down in pencil, White Line Athletics Limited. I still have that piece of paper at home, and I was like, um, yeah, let's give it a try. So then, I mean, the interesting thing is that you know the, the name was it was very it was very unique at the time because we didn't really see a lot of companies with athletics attached to it. It's like this is nice because it reminds me of like varsity athletics, like you know what it's this overall sort of feel of like. I can do this and that and everything if I have the ability. But then the logo, I mean, we, we talked and talked about the logo, and it was like, I want there it to be the inverse. Like, you know, how it's like, oh, you know, like uh, in every man there's a beast sort of thing, but we flipped it, and there's, and there's a man's head inside the lion. So it's showing you that there's like this duality. There's, you have always times when you're moving in and out of your of your alter ego or your alter state where you need to achieve something, you may need to call upon other characteristics that you might not normally capitalize on to achieve what you need to achieve, right? So the duality in the logo is, I mean, it's a lot like Stuart and I, where we are very different but complementary, And it's the duality that we have in fitness and athletics where it's like, what it takes to get the job done here would not be the same thing that would take to, say, resolve a conflict in you know, in my domestic life or something else, right? So there's always this duality, and understanding that and embracing it is what the logo is about. That's yeah. awesome. I didn't even realize that there's like a, a man's face on the side of it. It's, yeah, it's inside the head, yeah. Is it? Okay, <laughs> I'm going to have to take a look at that, uh, yeah, that logo from a different angle. Yeah. It's like those pictures that you see that are like shadowed or whatever, That's and you're right. looking at it, and it's like, no, it's a bat. No, <laughs> it's a, have you seen that one? And then it's like a cowboy with a hat on or That's whatever. That's right. Okay. Well, my, so. mother, <laughs> my mother's looking at the bottle, and she calls me up. She goes, DJ. I'm like, yes, Mom. She goes, there's a face in that line. I'm like, yes, Mom, I know. <laughs> How long have you been looking at that bottle for? <laughs> <laughs> Three days. Three days, huh? <laughs> Three days. Oh, oh, that's crazy. Oh. Um, so you've got the name, you've got the logo, mm -hmm. um, and you knew you wanted to, to start selling products out of your jacket or trunk of your car or whatever. Right, yeah. So so how did how did that get going? You started like calling up different um, different companies or like figuring out what you wanted to sell. Did you sit down and figure that stuff out? We sat down and we talked about all the things that we wanted to offer and why. I mean, one of the things that we saw was like there was um, foam rolling was something that both of us were using with our clients. And we thought, well, this would be awesome because we can actually provide 
clients with education and provide a product that we trust. That we, it's like, yeah, I can vouch for this product because it's like... Because you use it. We use it. Yeah. We know exactly how it's made. We have like made this thing in a certain way. And so then we did a, some good research about like what was, like what were some of the things that were staple fitness products, but for portable fitness, because our original name like Fit2Go, which was, you know, it's, there's a company called that, but we didn't know that at the time. Like, well, let's think about things people can use on the go. Like, so that's why we brought the bands in and the foam rollers. And then, you know, we've, starting off, there was basically this whole thing of you can take it with you or have it in your home garage gym. And it wouldn't be, um, like, say, and like a technical, um, or a typical machine, like, I say, we don't sell Smith machines. We don't sell other things like that. Why would you? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, there are more Smith machines than gyms than our kettlebells. So yeah. I mean, they're doing something right. Yeah. I don't know. There should be more kettlebells. <laughs> more kettlebell. Yeah. Um, so with with you and Stuart partnering up for this, did you guys have like a, a long discussion or was there any discussion about like, hey, like if we're going to do this, this is these are your roles, these are mine? Because everyone that I know that's partnered up for like to start a gym or whatever, whether it's a handful of people or two people, when they start out, it's exciting. People are like pumped and everything like that. And then shit happens and goes wrong. And then they get into fights and then one buys the other one out or the business closes down or mm -hmm. whatever. Did you guys ever have that conversation where it was like, okay, if we're going to move forward on this, like we got to set some ground rules and stuff like that. Actually, one of the things that we, that we talked about in uh, like, there's like, um, it's, it's like a business law course that I took. It's like whenever you set up a partnership, you should set up how it's going to dissolve. That's the first thing you do is set up the breakup okay. so that it's always amicable, right? So, I mean, we, we did lay out a lot of responsibilities that, you know, Stuart would do this and I would do that. But, I mean, as, as time went on, I mean, it turns out that all the things that, you know, we said that we would do were the division of labor wasn't fair. Because, like, okay, well, you're going to take on Amazon sales. And like, oh, no, wait a second, man. I mean, like, so now all of a sudden, like, Amazon sales or, you know, what, you're going to take care of doing the bookkeeping. And they'll be like, bookkeeping alone is one person's job. Like, online marketing is another person's job. So we didn't, we, we didn't have a, a, a good sense of the scope. So we, you know, we've always revised on what our, our responsibilities and roles would be, just like on an ad hoc basis where it's like, you know, if you see a guy on the court, he's getting double teamed, you jump in and you help him out sort of thing. So it's like you be very responsive to your partner's work environment, like my, like what I'm involved in or what's happening to me. And the same thing with Stuart, right? So it's like we jump in and help each other out. Like we're, we're just in tune with like how it goes. So sometimes that's, it how it goes. No, that's a good partnership. I know yeah. some of, some of what I've heard from people is when, you know, they're partnered up or whatever. One, one person's like, well, I'll be the PR person. So I'll just talk to all the customers and that. And it's like, you do, you know, all the cleaning and you do all the programming and you do this and that. And it's just like, you know, like you said, sometimes there are things that uh, do take up a lot more time or a lot more work or a mm -hmm. lot more effort and energy. And uh, sometimes it gets, it, it sucks to get stuck with some of that stuff. So if you have a partner that's, you know, pretty open and receptive to like, hey, DJ, you look like you're getting a little run down. Like, I'll, I'll jump. What do you need help with? Yeah. That's, a, that's a great partnership to have. Mm -hmm. so, I agree. Very cool. So when you're, when you're training, I know you, you, you're posting a lot of videos with like kettlebells and stuff like that. Is that, is that your favorite, favorite method for training? I think right now the mission is to get people 
not afraid to use something that they might not otherwise use. Just to get people's experience, strength in different contexts. And using, like, and using kettlebells is a great way to become strong on your own or in a training scenario or with a coach or without a coach. And just, I think the more people see it, the more it might become normalized and the more they might give them a try. Because I think that there are some times when we're stuck at home or there's some times when we're out at the lake or the cabin and you can take a kettlebell with you. I mean, our, our whole mission was to educate people and to provide fitness equipment that people can take with them. So you, I mean, you probably don't want to take me with you on a trip, but you can take our Instagram with yeah. you on a trip, right? Yeah. So then, you know, take the videos, take the equipment, send us a message. And so, yeah, we're, we're talking a lot about kettlebells lately because it seems to be something that people are becoming more and more interested in. And I feel like this, I'm at a place in, in my, like, professional experience where I can offer a lot of good, like, fundamentals so people can maybe start a practice safely on their own. So I think that's like, that's my main main goal right now is to get people not afraid of kettlebells or, I, I don't want them to be shy with it, you know, so that's why. Yeah, there's there's so much you can do with them. I, I love using kettlebells for training. I know mm -hmm. sometimes on the weekend, if I wouldn't come in here, I'd try, I'd try to stay away from the gym. I might write up like a little workout on the whiteboard in the backyard, have yeah. my bucket of chalk and be like, set my timer and do, a 30-minute circuit without putting the kettlebell down. That's right. And you're doing, like, snatches or clean and jerks or uh, swings, one-arm swings, squats, mm -hmm. thrusters with one, like, uh, with one bell and stuff like that. And you just, you know, sets of five or whatever, and you just keep moving for 30 minutes. And at the end of that 30 minutes, like, your whole body worked. You're, you're sweating. And it's just, like you said, it's a great tool for building strength, building your fitness, mm -hmm. getting a stronger core. Yes. Like uh, the amount of things you can do with it is pretty amazing. It's basically just like a, a cannonball with a handle on it. That's right. So oh, I uh, love them. Um, one thing I haven't used or several things I haven't used uh, too much is the the mace. Like mm -hmm. you guys have posted some stuff with the mace or the, is it the, the hammer too? or the Steel clubs. Yeah, steel we clubs, yeah. A, we, we do have a large hammer that we're testing out, but the mace, I mean, I think... I think the mace is essentially like one of the one of the greatest tools that we're going to have like throughout the course of our of our lifetime because it's it's asymmetrically loaded but on a lever. Mm -hmm. So I mean the demands that it places on your core, on your hip stabilizers, shoulder, everything. Where I think it's like that looks weird. Let me try it. Yeah. Like the weirder it looks, I want to give it a try. <laughs> yeah. Like any. Anything that can test your existing level of strength and expose your weaknesses is something that I want to pursue because I want to find out how weak I am. That's the goal of my training is to find out how weak I am. I'm not, I don't want to be strong. I want to find out all the weaknesses all the time. And so for me, that's the exhilarating part is finding out why I'm so inadequate in my strength that I cannot complete the task. And the mace was something for me it mocked me for, <laughs> for yeah. so long. Like, what do you mean you can't swing me? Well, now, so then I spent like almost more than a year learning. Yeah. And then now I have like, I'm, I can do it with a level of proficiency that I'm satisfied to put on a video and to show people the basics, which was my goal. So now the, now the goal is, is to get better. It's, it's, it's a good attitude to have looking at, looking at weaknesses or trying to find weaknesses so you can, you know, turn them into strengths or mm -hmm. get better. I know, um, 
Rob Waller, one of our members here, lent me uh, a couple maces and uh, and the clubs. And the clubs I didn't get too too good with. I didn't didn't spend enough time with them. But the mace, I'd be doing work and uh, I'd set my clock. If I was here on the weekend, I'd set my clock for every like 60 minutes. I would get up and I'd do something with the mace. And yeah. um, I was doing like, I'd just like, clean it up, uh, have it, like, hold it at the the bottom of the handle and yep. just stabilize it and mm-hmm. then do some walking lunges and, yep. like, your shoulders, your obliques, like, everything's just yep. getting lit up and then I'd switch hands and come back. Um, I was doing, like, a like an axe, like, wood chopper, but slow yep. and you're just staying slow and mm-hmm. under tension and it was like, holy man, that core is just getting fired up and it was only 20 pounds. That's right. It wasn't that That's heavy at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Oh, it's good. And uh, like I said, it's just, it's breaking down barriers. And for me, like, like, I'll take it back to the oil field and to other times when I was humbled enough with a strong sense of purpose to complete the task that you have to release that. And that's one of the things where it's like training with different fitness tools requires a certain level of letting go of what you think you are because you're not that right now. You're this. And so it's a nice tool. And there are so many people in that community that use the mace that are so friendly and so helpful. Yeah. We've met people from around the world. It's yeah, beautiful. It's wonderful. Yeah, and there's so much online with it too. Mm-hmm. Like if you're willing to practice it and like, you know, how, how many times did you get knocked in the head <laughs> using, uh, using the uh, clubs? Uh, only once with the mace. Yep. When I just got out of the hospital, which I don't, which was totally, totally dumb. Yeah. And my clubs, uh, clubs hit the legs a bunch of times. Yeah. And it's well, the outtakes. It happens. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. Yeah. So, no, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, I know. So you had just mentioned about getting out of the hospital yeah. and stuff. So we haven't even touched on that yet. But um, yeah, do you wanna? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't believe it when I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw your your story and you had, like, your head shaved and then the, the staples and stuff like that. Like, my jaw just dropped. So, yeah, tell us about that. You know, at this, about this time last year, like, I was, I thought I was getting severely depressed. Like, it was getting to be, like, a very, like, dark time for me. And I was just like, man, like, are you getting burned out? Because I'd, like, I work... I work a lot, and but it's because that's what I have to do to get what I need to do, right? So it's like 16 or 18 hours, like waking up and going to bed late and training, but the climb was going slow and slow and slow. Then around March, I pulled myself out of it, and then from March until about July, I had a really good run, and then <coughs> so again. What, what did you do differently to, to change that and, and have a better run? Well, you know what? It just, it just came down to the point where it's like, dude, like, do you want to end your life? Because that's what you're saying. Like, and if you don't want to, it's either you do it or you don't. You can't live in the middle. And so that's the thing where it's like, it was like the weekend after my mother's birthday and I was on the treadmill and I was walking. I was like, no, dude, you, you just snap out of it, man. Like, what's, like, what is your problem? And I said, you have so much going on for you. I said, you cannot be. And, like, and, that, and I, I gave myself the ultimatum where it's like, either you go and get help or you end it you, you, you there's no middle ground for you so it's like okay dude that's when it gets real let's push on fix it rest more get like work on your whatever it is I thought was a good idea but I mean I'm glad that I didn't go and see somebody at the time because if I would have got medication for that for example right <clears throat> oh you're just depressed here have something like pills or something which I mean this is maybe the common practice 
but it would have probably masked like what was happening inside my head. And then in July, it's funny because I, July was a, like a crazy time because we had received a massive order of kettlebells and I was unloading all these kettlebells in the storage and dude, I was exhausted. This is July 2019. 2019, yeah. yeah. And I was exhausted. I was like, I, I, I was on my knees in the storage. I'm like, I can't do this. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do it, man? Like, you, how can't you do it? But like, I was struggling. And then I actually went over to Tanya's uh, from CrossFit Winnipeg's their 10-year uh, anniversary. And I was just like, but I mean, like, my whole life was spiraling. Like, like I showed up there. Like, I was exhausted and tired. But I was like, I couldn't even organize myself like I was losing my organization skills I couldn't like meal prep I was like I was throwing away food that I just couldn't get organized to cook like I would I would open up my door in the morning to make sure I get out of the house and I'm like okay keep going I just pushing myself through because I thought you're 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 getting into a rough slump here you can't you, you need to keep pushing do not stay in bed do not call in sick and then it was coming time where like my sister would come and knock on my door. She goes, wake up. You got to be at the gym, like, to train her. And I was like, what time is it? And then the headaches started to come. And the headaches woke me up at night. And the headaches, like, for about two or three weeks, where it's like I was getting headaches all the time. I was like, okay. So I went to one doctor. He's like, well, you're probably getting migraines. So he gave me a prescription. And then I was sitting at, at Morphet one Saturday, and one of the trainers said, she goes, you look like hell, man. I said, I feel like hell. I said, I've been having headaches for like three weeks. And I thought it was like the temperature is changing because of high humidity, right? And she goes, no, you have to go. And she goes, DJ, you got to advocate for yourself. You got to go to somebody else. She goes, why don't you go see the people at the Minor Injury and Illness Clinic on Harrow and Corden? Okay. You know, book online. So I online, call them. Yep, come in tonight, 7 p.m. Saturday. Sure, why not? Guys like Dr. Smith is there, and he's like, um, okay, you haven't got hit in the head, no accidents, and nothing, no, nothing. He goes, okay, you come to see me tomorrow night. I work at emergency at St. B, St. Boniface Hospital, so we're going to give you an emergency CT scan. It's a good doctor. He <laughs> is a good doctor. And it was funny because I, um, I, we can take a break. I always cry about it because I'm just like so grateful. And that's it. Because you know what, like, uh, I have a scar on my head. You can't see that scar. And one of the things that I wanted to do was, I said to myself in the hospital, like, don't wear your pain. Don't be a victim, right? Like, don't, so, like, I cry. Like, I don't cry for sympathy. Like, I just, it's my expression. And it's, like, one of the things I've learned because of this is, like, my expression, even though it's observable, it's not meant for attracting anything. 
Like, I cry because of, like, I don't know why I cry, but, like, I cry because I'm grateful for, for this. And so he said, you have a mass on your brain. And that was serious. And I, and I sit there, and the first time I was like, I need more time. And then at that very next moment, I thought I'll be all right. And so then, like, for about 36 hours or so, we didn't, we didn't know, like, what this mass was, like, if it was benign or malignant or actually, if it was going to be uh, cancer, they said, well, and he says, like, it's not usually the first manifestation of cancer. Normally, you have, like, it's going to be somewhere else, too. So we have to send you for, like, full body checks and everything. And I said, okay. So that was, like, you know, nerve-wracking because I'm like, well, chips are down, you know? And so for that period of time, like, I, like, my family, you watch them, like, not fall apart, but just upset, you know, very upset. And I was, I was probably the most at peace I'd ever been. I wasn't scared. And, like, I cry now more than I cried then. Like, this is, like, you know, I, I think, like, why are you crying now, man? It's just over. But I didn't cry then. I was, like, it was just, I was just still. And then, you know what, I can still remember when, you know, they gave me my chest scan. They checked for testicular cancer, stomach cancer. You know, you're clear. He goes, and the way that it looks with the CT scan, it looks like it's going to probably be a meningioma, which is a very common brain tumor, which is benign. It's very common. And, but it was, this was after. But at that very moment, you know, when they tell you have a mass on your brain, like when, like, when you think that it could be the worst, things get really simple. And it gets very, like for me, very serene. And I mean, when I knew that he, and the, the doctor, God bless him, the, the, like the surgeon that came in and he's like, after my MRI was done, Dr. Catarelli, he's like, you'll be fine. We've done this before. And I don't really remember too much, but like, I remember him showing me out, we're going to cut him over here and here. And I trusted him in two seconds. That's one of the, like, one of the best professional experiences that I've ever had. A man with so much like composure and confidence with his delivery, I trusted him. And I mean, why not? And so that means awesome. so much. Oh, yeah. And like, you know what? It's we're in a time now where the medical system here is under criticism, but I think that in times like that, I see like we have professionals like that. That's like I thanked him. I said, "Man, thank you." And then Dr. Smith, I went to thank him after. I said, "You know what, man?" Like, what if he quit med school? Like, what if he's a, like, what if Catarelli quit when it was getting tough? I said, like, their perseverance, like, I could have been the purpose for that. I don't know, but you know what? It's just funny how you think about it. If they quit studying that night or they didn't get the high mark, would he be where he is today, saving lives? Like, say, like they said that normally you get uh, a seizure or you get an aneurysm. So if I spend the majority of my time moving stock in the gym training and I have a seizure and aneurysm, what are my chances of living? Not very, maybe not very good. All I know is that everything is good now. And I thank like the professionals that like stuck it through and the prayers and the good wishes of everybody that was, you know, like behind me. Everyone says, oh, it's because you're healthy. I said, well, then if I'm so healthy, why did I get a tumor? And, and I'm not saying that to be like, you know, to be cocky. 
But I'm saying that because it's like you can't credit my health with this, but you cannot, like, how if I'm so healthy? I said, I think it's the prayers and the thoughts of everybody. And I mean, like, and, like, look at me. I have, like, a small indentation in my head here. But, I mean, you can't even see my scar. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I regain more clarity than I've ever have in, like, 15 years. It's amazing. That's nobody's nobody's immune to it. Like doesn't matter how healthy you are if you don't drink alcohol or smoke or whatever. Yep. If you, you know, get eight hours of sleep a night. Yeah. I'm sure all that helps, but it's uh yeah, nobody's nobody's immune to it, no matter, you know, who you are or how much money you have in the bank or yeah. how many friends you have or whatever. Yeah. Like you know, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um so you said you were pretty how long did you have to wait after your CT scan before they told you what was what was going on? It was um, it was actually a long weekend, I'm pretty sure. So then it was um, I went in for I think on the Tuesday, and then we knew like within the, I was in surgery within nine days. Yeah, That's so it was fast. When it counts, the the medical system is here for us. <laughs> you know it's like, what, DJ? In six months, we're going to schedule you for surgery. It was because of the size, and it was a, it was like with this, the procedure, like they said, right frontal craniotomy. So it was a large part of this area was not like the tumor was five and a half centimeters by four, but also the swelling was you know it was it was big. So they put me right away on um, anti-swelling for my brain, so they wouldn't have a seizure. Did they put a plug in or anything before surgery or nope. no? Nothing. Okay. Everything was just they, they said if you have any changes, yeah. then you know you get then down come here. in immediately. Yeah. But uh, everything was good and stable. So I just like the funny thing is is like we had this massive, massive order of like maces and clubs to ship out. So I was working until the day I went to the hospital. Really? <laughs> Mother and sister up there were boxing up maces to go yeah. and ship and everything. So I said, we got to get this done because I'm going to be in the hospital for like at yeah. least a day. <laughs> so at least a day. I'll be back at work tomorrow. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. They, uh, you know what? It's, it's so funny because I woke up and um, like probably at midnight after my surgery, I was walking down the hall. Like, and that was, and I did it because like I wanted like I said, I didn't want to be, oh, poor me, like, oh, you need, like, let's see how, what you're made of, you know, like, what, when it fall down, let's go for a walk and let's try it out. I mean, were they I, urging you to do that? Like, no, get they, up and move or not no, stay there no, and no, lay no, down? Stay. I, said, I said, please, I said, this, let's just go for a walk. So, you know, the three nurses were there, one was behind me and two were at my sides and I like walked in my wheelchair. <laughs> that was pretty good. That's pretty incredible, and I don't know. It's I haven't I haven't experienced anything like that. Um, I'm sure there's there's a lot of people out there that haven't, but for the the few that have and and that are blessed to, to be able to you know to to come out of that, to go through surgery, yeah. to have that that right doctor there at the right time and yeah. and make the right call rather than like. Here's some uh, here's some meds for you know your your headaches and like yeah. let's hope they get better and yeah maybe that would mask it a little bit but that would also give the the tumor some some time to grow and and stuff. Did they say you know if you wouldn't have come in here's what would have happened or how long or anything like that or no they didn't say anything like that and they just said that it, 
they were happy that they caught it when they did because of the size of it and because of my age. It was like, I don't know if they said uncharacteristically big, but they said it was, it was big. So then when they, when, when we got the, like when we got the study back from it, cause they said, well, let's study this thing and see like, if I just had blood work done like recently, why didn't this show up in my blood? Like, so maybe there's something. So depends what they test though, right? Yeah, that's like, right. that's right. So they said that it was like a mix of grade one and grade two cells. Like the higher the grade up to grade four means they divide and grow faster. So it was like a mix of grade one and grade two. But you know what? Like I feel almost bad like that, I, you know, I come here and I cry, I talk about this. But I mean, I didn't get shot in the head. That's trauma. I didn't get it in a car accident where someone got put inside my head. I mean, by all stretches of brain surgery and by like head things, like I think I got one of the best case scenarios. So like, I don't talk about this because it's a big thing in the whole scope of life. But I mean, in the scope of my life, it's a big thing. And so like people out there say, oh, well, you know, they had this and that. I said, that is definitely it. But I mean, I feel like it's important for me. It's an important experience, but it doesn't like, it's not serious in the whole scope of what could have happened to my brain or to my head. I mean, Thankfully, they, you know, they did an MRI the next day. Everything is gone. It's, it's, uh, it's benign. So, I mean, that's, like, that's perfect. It's all perfect. Because I'm, like, so it's, it's not a bad thing. In fact, it's probably one of the biggest blessings of my life because as we get older, we decline. And I feel like I got back so much of my life, my clarity, my focus. I think it is, it's the biggest blessing that I could ever ask for. If, if, if I could give this to other people besides the tumor, I'd say, here, have some of this, man. Like, why not? I mean, it's a great experience. And like I said, it was, despite the fact that my family was, you know, upset. But like I said, it's not, uh, it's not as bad as I make it sound because there's a whole lot worse that can happen. I keep that in mind where it's like, first of all, you're living. Second of all, it's benign. And third, I mean, you're doing well and if not better. So, you know, God bless and be thankful. Yeah. Best case scenario. Yeah, like, uh, definitely. No, it's... Um yeah, it's definitely something I've I've thought about a lot, especially since my mom had passed away. Just like anything can happen at any time mm -hmm. to anyone, and like nobody's immune to anything. Um, even I, I was doing a podcast with Leslie. Uh, this was just before Christmas. I had run. We were talking about it, and I had just run out to IKEA for some mm. to return some stuff and that. And it was so slippery out, and almost got into two accidents. Like just getting rammed from behind almost a, a couple times um, during my trip. And I'm like, holy man, like, um, got to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I had heard later on, on the way back, there was just traffic backed up all the way down Brookside and that. And there was an RCMP officer that was headed home after work. And uh, a truck jumped the median and drove right into him. And, uh, you know, he, he ended up, dying in that accident and he left three uh three teenage daughters and his and his wife and none of it his own fault like you know a vehicle yeah. crossing over the median like that that could happen to any of us at mm -hmm. any time and you know i think that's why it's so important to to be paying attention and, and limit those hazards limit those risks mm -hmm. um because there's there's stuff that can come out of nowhere and uh and attack us just just like your tumor mm -hmm. and you know, it's, it's amazing to see, like, just where you've come from and, and what you've done and, and just even your, your, you know, attitude about it is, is awesome. Like, mm. I don't think, 
I don't think it could be any better. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, we're very, everyone's very fortunate cool. to have, have you here with us Thank still you. and uh, swinging kettlebells and <laughs> sharing knowledge. Yeah. No, but it's been, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, it's great. And like, and I was so apprehensive about making a post because although, you know, I'm, although I'm one of the owners of White Lion, like White Lion is not me. And, but we had, we had gone through such a quiet period in social media. And so I'm like, I decided one day I'm going to do it. And that's just to tell people, like, first of all, like, we're not closing down because, I mean, that's where you guys been. It's like, well, and I try to keep my life private. Like, I, and I don't know why I'm like that, but I just enjoy, like, that, that private life. And I was like, but this is actually your business, man. And people, they, and don't get a big head, but maybe some people actually use your social media stuff to learn stuff. And they're not learning anymore. And maybe you're doing them a disservice by not telling them. Okay, well, let's talk about it. <laughs> so that so they, yeah, that was so it. they learned another lesson that yeah. day. Um, so, you know, with with everything that we talked about, things that you've you've learned going through the the process of, you know, everything like on the the oil rig and and starting your own company and yeah. and cheating death, <laughs> just like you know what. What can you offer people? What can you what you, can you suggest for people to make the most of the time that they have here? I think it's. I think we all know the work that needs to get done, and if we're not seeing the results, then we're likely not doing the focused work. And you know, what, I often think about you know what when when we were like work on the drilling floor, for example. I mean, there's there is no question who's working, who's not. And you need to expose yourself and be honest. And I can still remember I was I was studying for an exam in university, and I was nervous and I was feeling anxiety and I was like, oh my god, I'm so nervous for the exam. I'm like, why are you nervous? You're nervous because you don't have a plan. So, you need to figure out what you don't know, right now. Mark this down, make a list, and learn this for this exam, because. I need 90% on this exam to get an A. So that was the work. Where it's like, if I'm sleepless at night and I wake up and there's something on my mind, I'll start working and I'll start fixing it. So that means that if I wake up at 12.30 and there's something on my mind, I will fix it or work, put a plan to fix it. So now that I know, it's like, you know what the work is, get to it. Are you walking around the barbell or are you going to lift it? And if you're walking around, you make sure it's to take the necessary amount of rest, not because you don't really want to do it. it. Yeah, it's like, you know that impatient walk, right? It's yeah. like, okay, you're pacing, but uh, you know what? You don't need to do any more rest. And I, yeah. I, I tell it to myself, it's like, you know when you have to do the work. And if, you're, if, if I get anxious, I'm like, it's because I don't have a plan. And my plan will keep me right here, not thinking about the possibilities or the past. So mark out that plan. Plan out, plan your way out of, like for me, plan my way out of my anxious moments, okay, because I'm worried about the future because I have no plan to achieve my goal. I, I guess it was shortly after you had started White Lion Athletics, I remember opening up an email, and it was like a video email from you, and it was sent at 2 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and I was like, DJ, what the hell are you doing? Like, get some sleep, man. You know what? I was thinking about that uh, the other day, and I was like, <laughs> that was, like, my first reach out to anybody in the city was 
saying that to you. And I wrote an email. I'm like, no, I want him to see me. And I wanted him to hear my voice and, you know, introduce myself. And I was like, it was the, that rush of rejection because I know that every gym in the city has equipment. Yeah. It's like, well, let's put your name out there, man. Yeah. So go ahead and do it. So, yeah, no, that's, that's a fond memory that I have because I can still remember I made that video for you and sent it off. And then I also made one for a, a fundraiser that I, that I was doing that same morning. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally believe the uh, the staying up to like you know getting up at midnight and, and putting in work and stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah, how how can people find you? What uh, you know? What's your what's your Instagram handle? It's white underscore lion athletics. That's our Instagram. We have um, website triple w dot white lion athletics dot com. We're also posting a lot of steel mace uh, training stuff on our Facebook page, which is White Line Athletics. And I don't know when this will be uh, aired, but we have a steel mace and Indian club workshop coming up on the 29th of February cool. with an awesome steel mace coach from Regina. His name is Zach Yannick. He's an amazing coach, an amazing practitioner of the steel mace. So I would encourage people to come down and check out that. And uh, that's going to be a great time. So yeah, you can find us on our website, Instagram, Facebook, you can come down to 255 Tasha Avenue on the second floor in Winnipeg. You can shop in store, shop online. We deliver whenever, regardless. And uh, we'd love to see you either online or in store for sure. Yeah, we've, uh, when people are looking for equipment or kettlebells or whatever, I'll, I'll definitely throw out White Lion Athletics name and, uh, and then they'll, uh, they'll say to me, damn, I, I ordered this kettlebell this morning and it came this afternoon like dj came and delivered it to my house I'm like yes. that's yeah that's pretty awesome I mean, that's that's definitely a big reason as to why you know i like uh i like promoting you guys and your stuff thank and, you uh you've definitely come out and supported us at different different events yeah. fundraisers you were here at uh at the most recent one that we had uh give a piece to reese and mm -hmm. you guys gave a an awesome prize package to uh to a very happy young lady so yeah. um but no, it's very cool. Is there is there anything you'd like to to add to this, DJ? Thanks very much for having me. I no. mean, like I'm, I don't like I don't like talking a lot about myself and what I do. So this is like a big comfort zone for me because like I don't like to talk too much about what I do and who I am, and that's just. But this is like I always said no to a podcast like a couple of years ago, and not that I was like highly demanded, but it's like I said I would say no to like the one or two and. I just uncomfortable, but I mean, this is important for me to to do this because it, I don't like doing it because I expose myself and I need to get more comfortable being uncomfortable with this because it's Definitely. like one of the one of the last things I'm working on. So, oh, it's good yeah. to be put on the spot, and yeah, yeah. it's uh, nothing changes if nothing changes, right? <laughs> you got it right. That's right. Awesome. Well. Thank you once again for coming down in this uh, snowy, slippery day. And uh, yeah, we're very fortunate to have you with us, DJ. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Better Than Yesterday podcast. If you like our shows, head over to the iTunes store and drop us a rating. If there's anyone that you want to hear on our shows or any topics you want us to cover, also reach out to us and let us know, and we'll do our best to get it done. <laughs>